Greetings. Welcome to Haber Rose, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend and say positive things about us on Twitter and Facebook. Oh, we should keep this, Christopher. I can't help This it. is the biggest way podcasts grow. <laughs> if you haven't yet given us a five-star review, Pause your recording and give us a five-star rating and review. Nothing fewer than five stars are is an acceptable rating. I agree with Unless that. you are driving, then you can reach your destination or pull over first and then give us a good record, uh, good recording, a good rating. Follow us on uh, Twitter at Clergy Lay and join our Facebook discussion group. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother Chris, a priest. Chris, how are you? I'm great. My kids just got out of school. Something, something, something. Okay, so we switched that up. Uh, Kirk (laughs) is struggling tonight. This is our first night recording in a long time, and Kirk is feeling punchy. (laughs) And the moment I clicked record, uh, (laughs) for the first time ever. A disembodied voice informed us that this is being recorded, so... Um, like we're sorry droid like began yelling at me about so we apologize to our listeners we understand we have uh been known to be a sanguine and serious podcast and <laughs> so we're sorry for for the laughs oh oh anyway, and i was biting my lip really hard to get through the first three sentences oh it was tough you, you did pretty well kirk i'm, <laughs> I'm impressed considering the way you said we are a historic podcast and then busted out laughing and then we had to we had to get rid of that recording. So, Kirk, as you shared um, when you were impersonating me, uh, today was the last day of school for my children. Yeah. So we we uh, we took pictures on the steps. We have a first day picture and a last day picture. And uh, my in-laws arrived from Pennsylvania. They flew in last night and they are here for a week. And so our kids get to be lavished with attention from loving grandparents and uh they will enjoy that for a long memorial day weekend that's great i I, i'm sorry i should have said they came out here to celebrate trinity sunday of course they did kirk how are you i'm i'm great um obviously uh i'm uh i've I've got the giggles and i'm a little punchy (laughs) Um, i'm not used to my computer talking to me in that way (laughs) and um I, you you were reminding me um, with your children uh, of our childhood. My memory is growing up um, back in the 1890s um, of our school year ending at Memorial Like it had very predictable bookends. Mm-hmm. It ended at Memorial Day weekend and it began after Labor Day weekend. And that was yep. your summer, Memorial yeah. Day to Labor Day. Yeah, June, July, August was the summer. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, uh, but you're, you, so you can't quite claim to have that for your children, right? Cause you go back like basically two weeks into August, right? No, we go, we go back. Let's see. We have a full week before Labor Day and, and two days. Our, our, our first day of school is always on a Thursday. We do Thursday, Friday, and then we do a full week and then it's Labor Day. So that's not quite mid <laughs> like to Like to ramp up. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Uh, or or is it actually is it actually Thursday Friday and then Memorial Day? But it, it kind of eases you back into the air. A two day yeah. week and then a five day week and then a four day week. I think is how it goes. Get your sea legs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I remember thinking it was so weird uh, when I when I came to college in Pennsylvania that we would show up the week before Labor Day. Yeah. And then have a three day yeah. weekend. I'm like, what are we doing? This is the weird. And now it's it. I'm just I roll with it. Well, you got to get that semester done before Christmas. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. And it, honestly, it's the same thing here. Is is that uh, uh, you got to get the semester done because there are semester tests and those are a big deal. So they 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 um they they tried it one or two years starting after Labor Day, and uh, like the high schoolers revolted because they're like, well, <laughs> we we forgot our semester information over Christmas break, and so. So I gather that there's been some real uh, social science research research, research uh, indicating that kids do lose a lot um, during those three months. Sure. And there's like there's some remediation and some stuff lost and it's it's kind of a waste. Um, and so, you know, public policy experts continue to push for the year round school year uh, with you know, <laughs> two, two week two week breaks periodically. Kirk, um, as a teacher, know, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, it's true. We're not an agricultural society, right? You know, like Johnny doesn't need to go home for the, you know, for the harvest. Of course you not. Know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's not that, that, I mean, that was the original logic 120 years right. ago when um, the school year kind of became venerable and established pattern. Um, but I tell you what, like it's a pat, it's, um, it's a reliable pattern of family life, you know, families plan their vacations around it. Um I, you know, I would, <laughs> I would feel very, I don't know. I'm, I'm muttering to myself because I realize there's no like logical reason, but I enjoy like the summer stretching before me mm-hmm. in an unending, in a, in a, in a horizon that extends off into the sunset. And it just, it seems like it's forever. And it's a great sensation. However, do you know the famous, uh, um, uh, was it Robert Frost quote about summertime? Like how summer slips through your fingers. No, like, this is great. This is not uh, rated for a uh, Haber Bros podcast. He said, by July 4th, the summer is shot in the bleep, <laughs> which is kind of true. Like you like after July 4th, you start to be like, oh, have I squandered my summer? Like, oh, I didn't get my garden in, in time. Or we that go is a glass half full <laughs> view of you. Asking, July 4th. Are you kidding me? There's still lots of summer left. That's uh, one of those quotes that's too good to check. I, I didn't actually read that on the super reliable internet. I heard that from someone else, but it's pretty good. I, I, I resonate with that, with that sense. So what's going on with me? Uh, I broke my blender the other day. <laughs> so we're very excited. We're going to make milkshakes. It's starting to get hot. And um, I dumped in a bunch of uh, ice cream and some frozen strawberries and some some heavy whipping cream and I pressed blend 
and it starts to blend and it starts to make this sound <laughs> and was it a it sound like to... like a dying air conditioner uh oh uh, the uh <laughs> the the um whatever whatever the mechanical thing that spins in a blender is is slightly smaller than uh, that which spins in the air conditioner but it was more the scent that was the indication of death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Electrical even, motors make even a scent. Functioning blenders sometimes can, if you run them a while, can start to smell like they're burning. <laughs> yeah. So it's done, and so I had to put it in the the food processor, which isn't quite the right tool for the right job. <laughs> so then I have this full food processor full of milkshakes, strawberry milkshakes, <laughs> and I pour them out. And about four bites in, three bites in, all of my children uh, proclaim that actually they don't like it after all. Do you know how good of a father I am? You, you ate all the milkshakes? This is what I do for the love of my children. I had an entire food processor full of strawberry milkshake. <laughs> all for love. And how was it? Was, was it good? Or was it, or was it, did it taste like, like it was smoked by an electric motor? <laughs> don't people pay to do that like to their whiskey? <laughs> like you put it in the thing, like ah, uh, I think that's with different it. kinds of smoke. It's not you know, <laughs> not electric, not electric motor smoke, Ele not electric fire smoke. Hey, I have a memory. It was it was spectacular, and down mm. to the very last spoonful. I have a memory. Do you remember we we used to make homemade ice cream? That was like exclusively homemade ice cream Indeed. for a period of time in our childhood, and our parents would like, they would get it going, they get the ice going, they get it mm -hmm. all going, mm -hmm. and then they. Sometimes we'd, we'd go to the park and then come back because um, it would it would stop when it was done. Do you remember this? It didn't stop. <laughs> we came home and the entire basement was almost uh, unenterable. I think I remember of, this just vaguely. Like the motor burned and then it continued to burn and then it continued to burn. And I don't know if uh, like the, the fuse flipped or or if it just like burnt out in the end. But like the room was foggy. <laughs> I think I I could convince myself that I remember. This. So I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I had the good sense to turn it off after it was clear I destroyed the motor. Speaking of being ashamed to do things, have you ever visited someone at night? Excellent transition. That was a terrible this transition. This week's gospel reading comes from John 3, verses 1 through 16. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And Moses lifted up the servant. I'm sorry. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Kirk, uh, it occurs to me I meant to do this during uh, the first segment, but I wanted to issue a correction. Uh, I do actually listen to our episodes. I listen to our, our podcast and and I, I heard myself say something like kind of off, offhand. I, I said Pentecost was the feast, uh, the, the the pilgrimage feast of the giving of the law. I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> it's it's not. It's 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 the um, it is the feast. It's essentially a harvest feast, um, giving thanks for the harvest. So it's 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 kind of an interesting, kind of a, a post rogation thing. Um, but uh, with that in mind. Uh, Kirk, you asked if I was going to uh, preview, 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 and then land the plane. Uh, no, I'm just, <laughs> just going to jump in. I'm going to, the, the twist here is that I'm going to do this all sequentially. Ooh. So there's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And I, th I think it would be easy to think. Uh, I think growing up, I had the sense that Pharisees were in some sense like an office. Like, oh, well, you could be a a priest or a Pharisee. Well, the Pharisees are, are more of a school. Um, they're, they're different um, kind of schools. And even, even among the Pharisees, there are kind of different schools of thought. Um, and, but this particular Pharisee named Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. And um, we see uh, we have high priests and we have other priests. Uh, we, we do have a hierarchy uh, in, in the temple. It doesn't say what sort of ruler he is. But it, he's significant enough where he uh, knows that it would be dangerous for him to come to Jesus during the day. He can't be seen with him. And yet he testifies. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God because no one can do these signs unless you uh, that you do unless God is with him. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, at one point, the Pharisees accused Jesus of, of essentially being in league with Beelzebul because like, by his name, you can, you know, throw him out. And, and Jesus is like, no, that's dumb. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, because it's, it's clear that, like, unless one is with God, that they could not wield the power. Like, these signs that Jesus has already done. And keep in mind, uh, among the signs that John has, has, this is John 3. And so there are seven signs. He's only done the one so far, right? He's, he's done his first one, turning water into wine at the wedding. Um. And so, uh, but, but, uh, Nicodemus... but, he, but he's made waves with his baptism right. yep. and with the cleansing of the temple. 
Yeah. And, and Nicodemus is like, I've seen enough to know. And it's interesting. Uh, it occurred to me just reading this now. This reminds me of one to, one of the, uh, was it the high priest or one of the priests uh, in the book of Acts who says something similar. He's like, basically like, let's let um, Paul go uh, because if he is of God, like no one will stop him. And, and, uh, but if he isn't, then like no one will follow his teaching. Like there is a sense while some of these uh, Pharisees are somewhat partisan, like as in uh, if you're not part of our tribe, like we're going to oppose you, but, but um, many of them are open-minded and see truth for what it is. Um, and he has seen these signs and he comes to Jesus and, and he asks some questions. And, and so Jesus, uh, it's interesting in verse three, he answers him and, and like his answer to him is uh, he like jumps into a teaching and it says, unless one is born again. And so Nicodemus is, is asks like the very obvious question. He's like, what do you mean to be born again? Like, I'm a, an adult. Like, I cannot crawl back into my mother and then, like, be born, literally born again. And he asks, like, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Jesus clarifies in verse 5. He says, uh, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the spirit. So he's, he is talking about a different sort of birth. Being born of the water and the spirit. Um Entering controversial territory. I mean, but it, but it yeah, shouldn't be. Yeah, it's it's right, interesting exactly, exactly. how um, some people self-identify as born-again Christians. Uh, that oh, I'm a born-again Christian. Or like politically, um, they were talking about like, well, this um, such and such percentage of born-again Christians do this. Uh, Kirk, what percent of Christians are born again? All. All. Yeah, this isn't something um, anybody who is a Christian has been born again. This isn't something that we do. Um, essentially, to be a Christian, you, you, you must have been born again. And um, so born of water and the spirit, what is this water referring to, Kirk? It's referring to baptism. It's referring to baptism. That, that in our baptism, we when we pass through the waters of baptism, um, we are born again. And um, the spirit is a gift that we are given in baptism. Uh, and uh, and then, of course, you know, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Is the kingdom of God, Kirk, uh, as American evangelicals conceive of it, is the, is the kingdom of God, does, does that equal heaven? Uh, no, right? No. What is the kingdom of God? Um, it's wherever the spirit is breaking through and doing work it's and and one would hope that's where the church is as well yeah here and now yeah, yeah. so that when when we are baptized we enter this kingdom this this uh this present kingdom that um has elements that are already and elements that are not yet right um we have not seen the full breaking into the kingdom we haven't seen the consummation of the kingdom but the kingdom has broken in and um we are we are born into that so uh and then G in verses six seven and eight jesus talks about uh, uh, something that can be a little bit confusing at first if if uh if maybe we haven't read it a number of times talks about in as is typical in john right uh kind of this repetitive we've talked about how this high priestly prayer in john 17 um and i and you and you and me, right. and, me and you and, and i with you uh and we are all together yeah thank you 
Um, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Um, and then he goes on to talk about um, this mystery of how the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you know not where it comes or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And, and, and so this is, it's not talking about chaos or randomness, but uh, much like the wind, like it's, it's hard to tell sometimes uh, what causes it or where it comes from, certainly in that day. I mean, now we can talk about the temperature of the atmosphere compared to the ground, but he, you know, like the wind, um, we can detect the spirit's presence, but we can't always chart its precise movements. It blows where it wills, right? And, and so new birth, um, through God is, is a mystery beyond human knowledge and control. Um, so, you know, this isn't something that we can tame or, or whatever, but like, um, uh, that, that's what Jesus is explaining here. <laughs> that's helpful because I probably have read that 80 times in my life and just kind of given up trying to understand it. <laughs> like it occurs to me, I glaze over when I read that. Yeah, and we shouldn't just read verse eight and just shrug and be like, well, whatever, you know, like, who knows? You know, um, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of uh, in Mark and perhaps in other synoptics where Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower and how um, the, the sower plants the seed, but how it grows, he does not know. Right. Um, and, and, it, and it's just like, that's not the important part. The por- important part isn't the like the mechanics of how a seed germinates and, and grows uh, it, it the point is that god does it right you know it's god that moves um and so and sa- same thing same thing here is is that the spirit moves and, and this it's not something that we can necessarily predict or or or, or domesticate um and, and that's what jesus is getting at and so and so nicodemus asks a question here and i don't know like there's so many layers of of cultural like it's hard to put ourselves in first century culture but uh it seems like jesus being a little bit cheeky with him right right yeah definitely (laughs) kind of like i love this again is in john where the the man born blind is healed um and like they're like peppering him with questions do you remember what the man says to them to like the pharisees is it the pharisees or maybe just the scribes uh like they they keep peppering with questions about jesus and he's like why don't you ask him isn't that what he says no 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 he says oh basically like why are you asking me all these questions do you want to become his disciple oh yeah that's right that's right <laughs> it's almost like jesus here he's like are <laughs> listen you're you're the teacher of israel you're the ruler yet you don't understand these things so i don't know if he's kind of poking fun of the incongruity of it that someone who's supposed to be well versed in these things is still blind to it and yet like in all fairness, like he's, his eyes are open enough that he comes to Jesus. Like he knows like this guy is, is a true prophet, like revealing something from God that I don't know. So I'm not sure um, really how to interpret verse 10. uh, But, but pointing out that like, it is interesting how we did need this revelation from God, right? That everything was leading up to Jesus. Like we know God because he has revealed himself to us. And like uh, the the best revelation of God, um, the most full revelation is the person of Jesus Christ, and um, and so so that's made clear here. Uh, and then Jesus continues, you know, he says, "We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony." And th- this almost has to be a collective view, because certainly right. 
Nicodemus is receiving it. But but um, Jesus, Jesus has been doing his ministry, and yet he is rejected. The Greek and, the Greek for you is plural there. Okay. So you're correct. Yep. And also four times in verse 12. What are you looking at that you have? Do you have a interlinear Bible or something? I I'm mean, just looking at the English right here. <laughs> okay. You, you, are, at... you are more prepared than I. <laughs> so anyhow, I'm sorry to derail yeah, you. Yeah. Derail you. You're correct. That is, it is a plural yeah. you. And it's interesting, Kirk. <laughs> a simple concordance, <laughs> like a simple glancing at a concordance would have helped us as we were talking about um, was the prediction of Jesus' ascension. Right, right. Predicted. <laughs> Because in verse 13 again. Right. Oh, man, I was smiling as you were reading it. Uh, no one ago. has ascended to heaven except he who descended. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, again, Kirk, as Brian said, this same Jesus who. Right. As you have um, seen go, shall come in like manner. Yeah. It's a, Jesus essentially is predicting this. Uh, yeah. So descent, when, he, when he talks about his, his descent here, he's talking about his birth. Um, and, and he will ascend. And. Um, and then we have this beautiful parallel of, uh, of yes. um, this interesting time. Where was the, pl in, in the book of Exodus, where were they, Kirk, where the serpents came among them? Well, I mean, it's in the wandering in Sinai, right? Yeah, there's a particular place that's not coming to me. But anyway, the, 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 God's, uh, the Israelites were rebellious. Um, and, and God sent, and, and it's interesting reading the Old Testament. It's, let's not be heretical right um there is a heresy um uh would you would you like to know where it is before we go too far yes please um uh they had set out from mount hor where aaron was buried to go to the red sea um but they had to go to each detour around the land of edom and uh that's they're impatient they complain and in response, God sends, God sends. fire yeah, serpents it, among them, and they, many die. It's Numbers yeah. 21. Yeah. Numbers, okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he seeth it, shall live. Yeah, it's this interesting story. But I, I want to start with just like God sent these serpents in, in yeah. there. <laughs> and so we don't want to be heretics, and uh, it's... The, the particular heresy is that um, uh, Marcionism, right? Um, th that says that, like, essentially, there's yes. a different Old Testament God. It and got New evolved God. or grew or yeah, had the a moral God awakening, and and then like the Jesus that we know, like the loving Jesus of grace, that like that's the New Testament God, but the Old right. Testament God is is like harsh and you know, all about justice and things like that. Well, that's a heresy. Right. That's not how it works. <laughs> um, so, so like the same God in the Old Testament is the same God that we know today, and the same God that we worship today. And uh, and so and yet we we read in the Old Testament how like God does in His judgment um, does send these things upon people. So, like as far as just the character of God, that that's an important part of the picture, I think. Um, but yeah, so people grumbled, they rebelled. God sent these 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 poison serpents. And and the cure was to gaze upon um, this this lifted up serpent on a pole, and so Jesus says, "Hey, remember the story how all the people were saved who gazed upon this serpent on a pole? That um, that, that I think I mentioned this before in the podcast, but it, the point remains: 
um, that the, the thing that seems deadly as is in fact um, our salvation. And so the cross, um, the thing that that uh, was a an instrument of 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 uh, torture and execution um, was for the salvation of all mankind. Um, and so Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. And it's interesting, this, this image of being lifted up that Jesus gives here is repeated two other times in the book of John. Also in John 8, 28 and John 12, 32. Um, and each time this idea of him being lifted up which it, we talked a lot in the last year about this upside down kingdom that Jesus has. The first will be last. Um, uh, if you want to be great, first be a servant. Um, where uh, being lifted up usually is to be uh, revered, worshiped, glorified. Uh, Christ's glory is also his crucifixion. Right. When he is lifted up on the cross, that is in fact his glorification. Um, many, <laughs> it, it's mysterious, and we're going to talk about a mystery in our theology segment. Um, and then, uh, the whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. And Kirk, let us never, ever, 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 ever tire of John three sixteen and roll right. our eyes and pretend like that is for kids, a memory verse for kids, because it's it's a beautiful and succinct um, proclamation of of God is for us, not against us. Yes. That, that yes, yes. God uh, did not want to condemn the world, but because God loved it, the world so much and each of us, that he gave his only son, not just one of his sons or his least favorite son. <laughs> I don't care for, I don't care for that. Jesus, I'll send him to pay the price. No, his only son, um, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we just talked about um, the summation, um, of John, as he wrapped up his gospel a few weeks ago, we talked about how um, Jesus did many things, but the like so many things. I didn't write them all down, but I did write these down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. Man, I was going to make that connection, but it's <laughs> so it's obviously something John wants us to know and remember. Like, this mm -hmm. is the point. Mm -hmm. That by believing in him, we may have eternal life. Indeed. Yeah. And, and John um, has, a, has a reputation and is loved, I think, among theologians and seminarians and clergy because he's mystical and there's, there's deep theology and there's depth there. Okay, but there's also great simplicity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The point of all of this is so that you might believe on him and be saved. Period. And that is beautiful. Indeed. Uh, so uh, before we go on, I just had one question for you. Oh, great. My new thing. What, what unanswerable question? Yes, yeah, your new thing. <laughs> what question do you have for me that I can't answer? Yeah, so my question is, um, there, are, there are some in our circles who, who back off, back away from the, um, the water and the spirit. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and either shrug their shoulders and say, who can say what this means? Mm. Or say it refers to, you know, water birth is, is born of a woman and then born of the spirit is your second birth. Um, <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Mm. 
Yeah, <laughs> a I, pregnant I, sigh. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I want to be charitable. Um, and so I, I, it, it seems to me that 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 people who are wary of the efficacy of the sacraments um, do th- so reflexively. I I might cautiously put forward um, out of either anti-Catholic sentiment or simply mm. just um, the desire uh, to point to one's own agency in this as in like, well, I'm responsible for my salvation because I was the one who Ooh. believed and had faith. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and like, we want to feel like we have control in our life and, um, and as you know, as we talked about monergism and synergism in the past, um, I mean, everyone really agrees that it, every Orthodox Christian believes that God saves, that God is the one who saves us totally. But like, there's this desire to want to have like participation in that. Um, and I, I wonder if, if, if it's that, um, I mean, we have many reformed brethren, uh, brothers and sisters, um, who like, I want to say that like reformed confessions are pretty sacramental and yet in practice, like I've seen some theologians uh, really be hesitant to talk about what it is that the waters of baptism do. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even as the new Testament used the, the term wash, uh, right. many, t- you know, many times and in many ways. Um, and yes, some of it is referring to the washing of the blood of Jesus, that is a thing, but many times when it says we are washed, it's referring to baptism, um, union with Christ. I, I've seen people describe how that isn't really what it says, um, that we are united with him in our, in our baptism, by we are united to Christ's death and resurrection. Mm. Um, but like we are sacramentally united. And, um, and it's, it's interesting what's particularly uh, bad, and I think we need to stay away from, is this idea that um, like this, this um, that there's a second uh, baptism in the spirit that comes later that we are baptized in water. And then right. like someday, like through great effort, like we are baptized in the spirit. And it's like, no, that's not what happens. Like, yeah, the spirit um, comes and goes. And sometimes it's mysterious, like why it comes at certain times, why he comes at certain times mm-hmm. to, uh, to bless us with a gift um, for ministry or something. But uh I think that is to be avoided. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Thank you for so skillfully, tactfully, and charitably <laughs> engaging in rank speculation. That was great. Well done. <laughs> that's, a, we... that's a good, that's a good description of what just happened. <laughs> Shall we move on to our theology segment? Let's do it. This week, we have a very obvious theology segment, and we are going to talk today about the Trinity. Uh, This Sunday is, as we've mentioned before, Trinity Sunday. So if you are 
uh, part of a Christian tradition that follows the, the uh, Christian calendar, the liturgical calendar, um, you will be observing Trinity Sunday. And it's funny, I've, I've heard people on both sides of this. Now, I've, I've heard many people just kind of groan and roll their eyes who are like, yeah, it's, her <laughs> it's heresy Sunday because like you're going to sit in a pew and, and listen to your pastor essentially try to describe the Trinity and, and, and dip into heresy, <laughs> like proven heresy and we should know better. But I also remember a year ago, uh, we had father Harrison air, um, yeah. friend of the show, uh, um, on the podcast. And he was like, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. It's heresy Sunday, but like, it shouldn't be like, we, like, we all know better. <laughs> like why, right. like, why is this such a hard thing to talk about the Trinity? Um, uh, and, and I would like the reason why is, is because it's mysterious and it's, and, and frankly, any earthly analogy is going to be bad. And so the reason it's heresy Sunday is that like, when we try to be like, well, it's like this, if you find yourself saying this about the Trinity, <laughs> you're like, there's just no way to do it because the Trinity is holy. And I mean, holy with the W uh unearthly right well so, here's so the other thing that yeah. that that is uh interesting that we overthink it and i'm sorry it, I, i'm turning the tables on you man now i'm haber interrupter go for it <laughs> uh it's the this work has been done for us it's not like yeah. uh people need to kind of get it, their get their parchment out and like do new theology right um this work has been done for us read <laughs> this work has been done for us, including the heresies. So like yeah. <laughs> uh, anytime you're inventing a new heresy, it's really not new. It's just an old one. But yeah, like the creeds, especially Kirk, which creed? Uh, the, well, the Nicene Creed does, does it, does it nicely, but even more so the um, Athanasian Creed. Yeah. And, and Kirk, uh, uh, our, our prayer book says that uh, the, Athanasian Creed may be said on Trinity Sunday in place of the Nicene Creed. Uh, and we almost did. I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but we're not going to do it, but I'm printing it in the bulletin. Nice. And the reason we're not is it's hard, like public prayers and, and, and creeds are. So, uh, uh, James K. A. Smith in, in, a, in one book pointed out how some denominations prayers are terrible uh, <laughs> because like they're hard to say together as a group of people. Oh, you understand? Yeah. Like they just kind of go on and on and there's no like simple, like, uh, I mean, not that they have to be uh, iambic pentameter, but like uh, if they're just kind of these rambling prayers, it, it's just hard. You notice how uh, the Nicene Creed, the college for purity. Most of our prayers are, are easy to say as a group. Yeah. Um, like the uh, obviously written intentionally right. for, for congregational, for, for mm -hmm. parish, um, United prayer community. Prayer. Absolutely. Yeah. What where the Athanasian creed is just really hard to do, but like it's the father like, uncreate the son right. uncreate and the right. Holy ghost uncreate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, um, but as far as clarity on the Trinity, it's very good. Um, and it could be summed up, because I like good summaries. It could be summed up uh, in a picture that I will post. Yes, in, in a um, picture. In our... Uh, I already know which one. Yeah, so it's, it's the Trinity where it's like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. 
and each of them has a. Connection. I love that you're doing a visual for our listeners. I'm, yeah, I'm like everyone watch. Each of these things is connected to one thing that says God. The Son is God. The Father is God. The Spirit is God. And then there's another bar connecting each member yeah, around of the, the Trinity around the perimeter of the yep. circle. Yeah, yeah. The Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. Um, and, and and that's essentially what the the Athanasian Creed says, right? Right. Um, right. In, in many words, using many words. Yeah, you know? it says, "For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost." <laughs> and it goes God, on. So the likewise, Father, the et cetera, yeah. the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, and the Ghost right. Holy Ghost Almighty. <laughs> And yet they are not three almighties, but one almighty. So right. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet they are not three gods, but one God. You know, and, and it goes on and on and on like this. And and um, But it does all get, the work of clearing up the confusion for uh, right. preachers. <laughs> um, uh, is, God, is God one? Yes. Is God three? Yes. Um, uh, and, and so if you get that, you get the Trinity. God is one. God is three. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Was there any person of the Trinity, Christopher, that existed first? No. Okay. Are they all made of the same stuff? Yes. I'm just like going through the early church heresies. <laughs> <laughs> and out of heresies came our creeds. And, and so... Um, What's uh, ooh, another interesting thing about the Athanasian Creed, and and like as this isn't why we aren't reciting it in church. Again, we are not reciting it simply because it's it can be clumsy for a large group of people to recite it. Um, but but it uses uh, a word a lot that is misunderstood frequently, um, and that is the word Catholic. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and sorry, I, I'm scanning through it. Um, in, in the first line of the creed, whosoever is, will be saved before all things, it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. And it goes on, and the Catholic faith is this. And it goes on to say all these things are the Catholic faith. And then it closes by saying, this is the Catholic faith, which except a man believe faithfully cannot be saved. And of course, this does not refer to being a Roman Catholic you know, someone. You mean this in... doesn't require that I have fealty to the Bishop of Rome? This does not. Oh, okay. um, what it is saying, uh, of course, the word Catholic means universal. Uh, when this was written, there was one church and there was one church until the Great Schism uh, in uh, the 11th century. Uh, and, and suddenly there was East and West. And then um, the English church uh, was no longer. So anyway, like that all came later, but, but in essence, like if, if you're going to be a part of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, um, which is, you know, the, the church here on earth, not, it's not referring to a single institution, like, but you must believe these things. And um, each of these creed, not each of these, I'm sorry, the apostles creed is much older, but um, the Nicene and Athanasian creed came out of heresies as people were like, well, like, Maybe, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to do a good job this evening of, of describing a heresy, but like, as you talk about the, uh, <laughs> that, the, the, that, the is, um, that is to your credit, Christopher. No, it's not. It You're means I'm unable tired. to it means imitate heresies. Uh, um, but, uh, as Kirk, you asked the question about, about, uh, substance, 
Yes. Like, no, like, like the church came together, the universal church. All the bishops got together, all, you know, and, and they, 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 they were like, they studied this and they sought the Lord and, and um, they said, yeah, no, like they're of one substance. Like the same stuff makes them up. So, yes. Yeah. Um, another word about uh, what, what Catholic means. Mm. Um, so uh, Catholic, in some ways, uh, it, on the Protestant side of things, um, we love C.S. Lewis. He wrote a famous book called Mere Christianity. Um, ca uh, Catholic Christianity, might we, we might almost call it mere Christianity. Sure. Um, there's something called uh, the, the Vincentian Canon. <laughs> um, and uh, this was uh, St. Vincent of Lorenz. Um, and he, uh, he said that basically the Catholic faith is this, that which has been believed everywhere, always and by all. Yeah. That is truly and properly Catholic and is shown by the very force and meaning of the word, which comprehends everything almost universally. All right, so if we seek to be Catholic Christians, we hold to that which has been believed everywhere, always and by all. Um, and if we're confessing it, other stuff, we've kind of left the Catholic faith. And I think that's kind of what's said here. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's important to, to, to say, uh, I don't know if we've said this yet, um, we ought to want to be Catholic Christians. Yes. Like, this is something that's been handed down to us. Like, like the through the ages, the church has wrestled with this stuff and said, like, this is what it means to be a Christian. So, so like, we can't just go our own way and say, well, you know, like, we're going to, we're going to take this and we're going to leave this out. Like, no, we should seek, um, to be a hundred percent, uh, uh, in, in, uh, in, in agreement with the three creeds. So what makes that odd then for, for us, um, as Catholic Christians, um, as, as Anglicans, is sometimes we, um, we dissent from Rome because they have ceased to be Catholic Christians. Sure, they are not yeah. teaching what has always held, what is, what, what's the right. phraseology been, what has been believed everywhere, always and by all, rather innovating their own new teaching, sure. right? And really, so, yeah, which really was the, the cause of the Reformation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the Reformation, I mean the broad the broader term, not not the Lutheran or the Reformed, but just like the Reformation. And this would be um, our problem. I mean, when, when I get Baptist rage, this would be my problem with Baptists, right? Oh, Baptists yeah. yeah. Do not believe that which has always been believed by all Christians everywhere. Right. Um, they yeah. began teaching a new thing yeah. in the 1600s. So, Yeah. Do we have anything to say about the Trinity before we move on to our next segment? Uh, no, I like that. Um, plus, we've been we've been waxing long, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, I think we should uh, spend a few moments talking about our final element. Shall we move on to our culture round? Yeah.
gee, this is a bit of a bait and switch. Our culture segment <laughs> is sort of theology segment part two, um, but it's worthwhile because Trinity Sunday is coming up on Sunday. And we'd like to talk about the hymn, Holy, 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 which if you've, uh, if you've grown up in, in the church, almost any church in North America, this surely has to be one of the great beloved hymns. And this is uh, intended for use on Trinity Sunday. Um, so much so, Christopher, that it is now sung to the tune Nicaea, right? Love and it. Nicaea <laughs> was the council that really tried to establish biblical Orthodox consensus on the teaching of the Trinity, right? So, like, even well, the I mean, in specifically, it was responding mostly to the the heresy of Arianism, which was yeah. a Trinitarian heresy. Arius was teaching. <laughs> I'm sorry, we've mentioned this a lot, but you know what? <laughs> if I were a layperson, I'd be like, might be like, what was this one called again, and what was it? But is he um, a racist? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Arian nation. Um, <laughs> But but Arius was teaching that uh, like this was a Gnostic heresy. So Gnostics believed uh, that that which is spiritual is better than that which is fleshly. So there's this like Greek thought. Um, if you're familiar with Plato, who who you know really wasn't you know, you know there's this Greek sense that like the body is like uh, a prison for the soul, and what's what will be great is when we can die and our soul can go be free and and go be a spirit as it was meant to be. Right. And um, so because like what is fleshly and earthly and, and, and has blood and flesh and muscle and sinew and all that stuff, um, because, because that is so lowly, God of course would never become incarnate. So Jesus must not have been God, but must have been like a really great guy, like a really great man. <laughs> and, um, and essentially, like, when you think about it, like, this was seeking to be, like, honoring to God in a way that, like, well, man is so far below God that, of course, God couldn't become a man. But in fact, that is exactly what happened, right? That, like, uh, in order to represent us on the cross, Christ, uh, God had to become man in Christ. And um, and so so it was at this Council of Nicaea that Arianism was, was uh, uh, well, quashed. It was quashed. So, yes. Yes. Yep. Nicaea. So, so thus, a great, the great Trinitarian hymn is mm. sung to a tune named Nicaea because Nicaea. it was specifically written for this text. So this was written by Anglican Bishop Reginald Heber, great name, um, lived in the, uh, died in 1826. And Christopher, you and I were talking before the show. Mm -hmm. uh, he was an interesting guy. And this was just, um, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Mm -hmm. He was a, a bishop in, he was a vicar for 16 years in Shropshire, England, which is in like the heart of central England. So, you know, like summers or like summer days are like 72 with a bit of rain in the morning. Right. And then he becomes the Bishop of Calcutta later on in life. So what a shock to his system to go to Calcutta. But, but um, there were, we were talking about this, Christopher, there were generations of English clergy as the British empire spread who were like, okay, I'll go there. And they did. And um, I wish you could see this picture of him, his portrait. He looks super pasty. So <laughs> he was doing, doing the Lord's work. Um, it, is, it, is in, it is in almost every hymnal. Um, and it, it is based on two texts. Uh, it paraphrases Revelation 4, uh, 1 through 11. 
Um, and, uh, so that, and, and after this, I looked and behold, a door was opened to heaven and the first voice, which I heard as a trumpet talking to me, um, this is of the elders and the beasts falling down before the throne. That's, that's chapter four. So I don't want to get on a rabbit trail and start talking about, uh, revelation four, but, but that is kind of the text lurking behind it. And then there's another text, Christopher looking behind, lurking behind it. And it opens with holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, that holy, 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 that thrice holy. What does that remind you of, Christopher? Oh, well, that reminds me of our Sanctus. Yes. And we sing that, Christopher, as you exhort uh, your parishioners um, to join. Uh, how does the preface go? Um, join your voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn. Yes. To proclaim the glory of your and, name. Is that how it goes? Yeah. 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 And biblically we get that. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we are told that that song is being sung in heaven. So we join that song in heaven. Um, we get that from Isaiah chapter six, um, which is really mm -hmm. interesting. Um, I'll, I'll just read the first uh, four verses in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain did he fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. I love that, Christopher. I love that. And I particularly oh, it's awesome. I, I read that in the King James because I now think of it in the King James because of Sir John Stainer's um, setting of that text, which is just stunning. And when it, it when it climaxes with, and the house was filled with smoke, uh, it's 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 a it's a powerful moment in that anthem. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so that first verse begins that way. Holy, mm -hmm. holy, holy Lord God almighty early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. And again, holy, 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 merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Uh, and so it's explicitly linking, um, that Isaiah six passage with, uh, with the Trinity thrice holy, right? Not once holy or twice holy or four times holy, but thrice holy. Um, and that text is some, some years, that is the, the Old Testament text uh, for Trinity Sunday. This year, year B, it's uh, Moses and the burning bush, which mm -hmm. for preachers, there's a lot fertile there as well to preach upon. Um, we also have, uh, a, like I said, it's a really rev reverent and faithful paraphrase of Revelation 4. And also St. John the Divine's vision of an unending worship in heaven um, well, that, I mean, that, that is, that is Revelation 4. Um, second verse, here we get that, um, we, we, tra we transfer from Isaiah's vision to uh, St. John's vision. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. And then back to Isaiah, cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, which wert and art and evermore shall be. Christopher, this reminds me of um, um, how we how we end our psalms in morning and evening prayer. Mm. Um, uh, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, 
and ever shall be right the the, the timelessness like of this worship yeah. in that happens in heaven uh then we have verse three holy holy, holy. whoa 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 can, oh okay can All i right. interrupt please i hate to inter well i don't hate to interrupt your mom <laughs> um I, I just wanted to to insert uh something that, that we a direction we could have gone today is is uh hints of the trinity in the old testament yes um, and yes. um, one of those hints so is simply in in the thrice try uh, thrice holy like holy 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 when we see that um uh, oftentimes like looking back at the old testament with the eyes of the new testament as jesus taught us to how he taught like however you know he taught them uh, the things concerning him in the old testament right um how yeah um when we when we in the light of knowing that god has three persons and we see holy 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 that is a hint of it in genesis 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the earth, uh, I'm sorry. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we already get this, that we get God and we get the spirit hovering. And, and what does God say to himself? He says in verse 26, then God said, let us, let us. Yes. And, and like, if you, if you don't believe in a Trinitarian God, like the the plural the the first person plural i don't i don't know what a jew uh makes of that yeah. let us make man in our image and you know we have, so we have, we have this all over the place we have this um the lord said to my lord um i mean in in matthew's gospel jesus even explains how that psalm is trinitarian is trinitarian right that it can't be about david no, no. The, the the point there is that like, who is David's Lord? Right, right. Um, yes, yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, um, but but uh, yeah, we have the three visitors to Abraham. But I I, I didn't want to get sidetracked. I just wanted to point out that the holy, holy, holy is a hint of of uh, Trinitarian God. That too would be a fun study. Yes. Yeah. Trin yeah. The Trinity in the Old Testament. Absolutely. Yeah. Very very good very good point. Um, Christopher, I wonder uh, if the uh, what, what your thoughts are on. Um, the third verse, particularly, well, let me just read it, and then let me ask you about it. Sure. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see, mm. only thou art holy, there is none beside thee, perfect, perfect in power, in love and purity. So I, I wonder if this ever strikes uh, the modern American worshiper as uh, if ever strikes them as odd. What do you mean? Though the darkness hide thee, thy glory may not see. Um, because a lot of uh, American worship really stresses kind of the, um, the imminence of God or his familiarity. Um, there's, a, as, I, as I put it, like a, an attempt to peek around the sun to see the Father um, unmediated. And, and, and I feel like uh, some of the worship music kind of has poor Trinitarian theology that almost, almost worships that way or sings that way. And so I wonder if this is ever a shock to people. What do you mean? Though the darkness hide thee? Though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see? So would you say is verse three, is this a, um, a father-centric uh, verse? I don't, I don't know, Kirk. In terms of members um, of the Trinity? When I see those first two lines of, of the third stanza, what comes to mind for me is, is, uh, is essentially um, – we as as believers have a sense of God's glory. We may not see it, but um, in essence, we believe that that 
those who cannot see Jesus for who he is um, are unable really to like, they don't want to choose Jesus. They're essentially blind to it. That, that sinfulness blinds them to God's glory and, and they, they choose the path of, of destruction. So I just, um, there's a, there's a praise song I wanted to find. It's called show me your glory. Do you know this? I see the cloud. I I step in. I want to see your glory like Moses did. Flashes of light and rolls of thunder, but I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid, which is exactly the opposite of what Isaiah said, (laughs) by the way. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Yes. Show me your glory. And essentially... And essentially, God's like, Moses, you can't handle my glory. (laughs) Hide in this cleft in the (laughs) rock. Because, like, you can't, you can't, no one can see God and live. Like, hide in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to pass by you. And you can, like, vaguely get a sense of how amazing I am. Look at my butt. (laughs) Look at my backside. Yeah. And then in Isaiah chapter 6, what we see is, is, is the awesomeness of God. The awesomeness that, like, the, you know, this, the, imagine, like, the awe of seeing the temple for the first time. And, and Isaiah, uh, like, the hem of God's robe fills the temple. Right. Like, this is just, like, the itty-bitty edge of it. It's, he's not even perceived. And just, just a glimpse of the hem of God's robe um, makes him realize that he is unclean. Yes, he says in verse five, which I hadn't read, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And then um, uh, this is this is an echo, by the way, of Christ's mediating sacrifice for us. Uh, uh, Seraphim uh, flies to the altar, takes tongs off the altar and takes a live coal and lays it on his mouth mm-hmm. and says, this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged, which, O Lamb of God, which takest away the yeah. sins of the world. Like as we approach the sanctuary, right? The altar rail, um, we are made clean by the, um, the Lamb's atonement, mm-hmm. which cleans, cleans our lips and allows us mm-hmm. to approach the altar. And so we are then permitted to join that same throne room that St. John the Divine saw as well so it's just uh, that's where does that make sense that's where i think we have oh yeah maybe some weird trinitarian sure. theology lurking sure. around modern american worship yeah yeah so I, I i i wholeheartedly agree uh i wonder you think about my view that like um that those who are not uh, members of of the new community um the god's glory is hidden from them the darkness hides god and oh the eye of ooh, the eye of you. those who are sinful like they can't see god's glory do you understand what i'm yeah, saying yeah 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 it almost is like the, those who uh, in, in i guess evangelical speak those who aren't saved <laughs> like they they can't see god's glory and essentially like are, are glad to live lives of of sin uh and and uh uh, there's better imagery than I'm giving right now, but um, like C.S. Lewis wrote very well about this of people essentially choosing, you know, the great divorce is filled with like imagery of this, of, of people like choosing blindness over sight. Yeah. You know what this, um, this, this, this verse is reminiscent of a little, another great Trinity Sunday hymn, um, immortal, invisible, God only wise. Great hymn. 
in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. Most blessed, most, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Um, but that, that um, uh, uh, worships God, um, marvels at the splendor of God by stressing <laughs> sort of his unapproachability as well, which um, that, that might be a kind of an under, underdeveloped theological theme in the American church, but all right, enough, enough of me beating on. Tis only the splendor of light hideth thee. Yes. It's a great hymn. It, it is. It is. A it great is hymn. It, it's great. Great writing there. Yeah. Verse four. Holy, holy, holy Lord God almighty. All thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, holy, holy merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. So almost identical with the, um, with the first verse. Um, the only line that's, that's really different is the second line. Um, instead of early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. It's changed to all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea, which, uh, which is reminiscent to me of Psalm 150. Uh, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Um, but it, it, in some ways, it begins as it ends in this in this glorious um, uh, hymn of hymn of Trinitarian praise. Yeah, yeah. And if somehow you've made it to the end of this podcast <laughs> and are still unconvinced that it's imp- like important that we believe in the Trinity and that we worship God as triune, um, let's liken it to a any relationship, whether it's a a friendship or uh you know a romance um if if uh you care about a person you care about what they're about like who they are and like god so loved us that he sent his son and he has said like i love you and um you are uh jesus said you're no longer my servants but my friends i call you friends and so like God is not, it's not just like, oh, well, God has revealed himself as Trinity. Like God is Trinity has been this, has been Trinity forever. God in three persons. And just as he loved us, um, you know, we love him. And if, if we're going to love him, we need to understand him as he is, even, even as it is mysterious. And it's like, we have lots, the the Holy Spirit still remains nebulous and, and kind of like, there's less said about the Holy spirit than there is in scripture and in, in writings in theology about the father and the son yet God has revealed himself this way. We know him this way. Amen. Amen. Should we end in prayer? Let us pray. And by let us pray, I mean, we're going to move on to prayer. Kirk, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, You have given to us, your servants, grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal trinity and in the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith and worship and bring us at last to see you in your one and eternal glory. O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.
next week, Kirk. Next week.
What the heck just happened? Okay. That's a great question. <laughs> Is that a new feature? Kirk, let me ask it? you a question. How many beers have you had tonight? Zero. Zero. Okay. You're, you're just feeling punchy. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros. A historic podcast for cross-centered Christians. You're not a historic podcast. I got to blow this up. <laughs> we are a historic <laughs> and, and historic. <laughs> OK. 